you're thinking when uh, uh, Mark and mine and specifically Mantha? I know things can change on a day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, my thought process going in. First of all, Abby's obviously a, a net front type guy um, who provides, uh, uh, you know, he, he to me is, can be one of those rare commodities of a big guy who can bring physicality but has enough skill to play with good players. So I, I, we're hoping for a real big year from him. And then um, just with Larson Matt, they both both have lots of offensive ability. Um, we need him to be a, a, you know, ultimately, we if, if that line stayed together, they'd have to score lots of goals. I think they both can so but Mantha, Mantha, you're starting to see it all come together for him like especially late last season well, I thought I thought through the I would actually see through the middle part of the when he, when he got called up for the stretch for that period of time I thought he was really really good when he moves his feet on a regular basis he's excellent um, yeah, I mean he's just got such a skill package he's six five he can really skate he can really shoot he's got offensive sense uh, it's hard uh, to duplicate that um, I thought you know he didn't score as much when he wasn't with Zetterberg and, and the one thing we need for sure is for guys to to be able to play with other players and still produce offense and so. So now I certainly think him and Larkin and Abdicator could produce lots of offense, but we need him to, to do that. Um, we just got to continue on the working on his habit of moving his feet all the time. Were you encouraged the way he reacted when he was health, healthy scratch for those two games? I mean, he didn't—he really didn't sulk or anything. I mean, he he understood it and then came back and tried to be back. Yeah, well, I think you know, I think any player that that in those instances they don't have to agree with the decision in fact they probably shouldn't uh, you, you usually as a person you think you're you're you, you deserve the the opportunity to play um, but you should certainly look in the mirror and say okay make sure what do i control i control my own attitude and then and then how i how i react to this and i thought uh, his attitude and his reaction were good how much has he grown from the first adam well, first of all, he's always been an excellent person. He's an excellent, excellent human being um, who I think wants to be a really good hockey player. Um, he's an, he's a somewhat easygoing guy. He likes to. He's got a smile on his face most days, um, but but he, he wants to be a good hockey player. I just think this is all habits, and and you know when, when you when you're able to play and have the success he had in Major Junior without really moving your feet a lot, why would you move him? You have success, and so until you kind of get to the next level where all of a sudden maybe you don't have that same level of success, it's hard to make those changes habits are hard to change they don't change overnight um, and it's taken a, it's been a process but it's been a good process that's what it is that's what it's about for most guys it seemed like you had an extended conversation with Zetterberg at Center Ice after that first session was there anything of interest being discussed not really unless you really want the intricacies of our D zone coverage yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to he, he, you <laughs> know we, we, we just we, we've we've made like one tweak in our D zone coverage and and, um, and, and him and Huda, him and Doug Huda were just talking a little bit so I want to make sure I was on the same page and just talking through a play that happened that we'll look at on film and make sure we're all on the same page. Philosophically, what's the no, just a little. I would say we've just tried to clarify the responsibility when the puck's up high okay. um, and make it black and white. The one thing that I've always believed in coaching is that you coach black and white and you let the players work through the gray. Uh, hockey's a game of gray. It's too fluid to be uh, totally, totally, if this happens, you got to do this. If this happens, you got to do that. you got to rely on principles, coach principles. And so on that, on those instances when the puck gets up high, we just tweaked our philosophy a little bit. With the Tatar and seem to have a lot of their production later towards the end of the year. By starting the season with them, with Zetterberg, is the hope that they can get off to a good start and be a little more consistent uh, scoring-wise throughout the year? Well, certainly we need them. If they're going to if they're gonna play as a line, again, like I said with the other line, they're going to have to score and produce. There's no question about it. Now, 
it's it, it, I, you have to judge process. And Tats had tons of chances at the beginning part of the year. They just didn't go in. That's a fact. I watched the games over and over and over again to make sure is there anything. He just didn't go in. He, he had tons of chances. Then they started going just like a baseball hitter. Uh, you know, when you start hitting, it breeds confidence, and you hit more. Um, just the reality of it. Do we need them to score throughout the season? Yes. Uh, I think I think it's always important to judge people in totality. And at the end of the year, I thought Tats had a pretty good year. I thought Nike had a pretty good year. Um, do we need to make sure, you know, we won our first, what did we, we had a pretty good record right off the first seven, eight games, you know, so it wasn't that we got off to a slow start as a team. We need them to produce and we need to have a fast start, but we also need to, to, to win as many games as possible throughout the season. Talk about the progression of Philip Rona. He seems, despite the language barrier, seems to really excel at all these camps. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think he came in, he had a good year in Major Junior. Um, uh, and then I thought he came in, and, and I know the, the the group in Grand Rapids was, was real happy with this play. Um, he wasn't as good in the prospects tournament as he's going to be. He's going to be better than that. I know that. Um, I think he's a guy who wants to be a real good hockey player that I think is going to continue to progress. We'll see how good. You know, I think we've got a whole bunch of D that, that have a chance to be good players. Now some of them got to take that next step and, and, and demand that they play in the NHL and then, and then hopefully demand that they're elite. Um, the hardest thing to do is to take the step to be in the NHL and then become elite. That's the hardest thing to do. Along those lines, what do you need? Joe Hickett's to do to kind of knock that door down? Yeah, I mean, Joe, you know, I actually, well, I love what Joe brings to the table. Um, Joe is uh, a big-time competitor. He's big-time smarts. Uh, every level that he's been at, he's kind of excelled and been in big moments. Um, he doesn't fit the prototypical uh, NHL player or defenseman from a size aspect. And so he's got to be great uh, in GR all the time and just continue to demand and demand and demand that he gets his opportunity. And then when he gets his opportunity, he's got to knock the door down. That's just the reality of, of uh, players that are his size uh, on D. But I was a big fan of us signing him in the first place. I think he's got... He's got the intangibles that I believe can be the difference maker from a confidence, a swagger, and a competitiveness, and a smarts. Um, he just got to continue to, to be... Uh, Andy Green, the, the captain of the Devils, told me a long time ago, the difference between guys that make and guys that don't is mental toughness. And you got to stay mentally tough and just keep grinding through and know there's light at the end of the tunnel. Philosophically, as a coach, do you have a number of in your head how many defensemen say under 5'11 you can have on an NHL? Like is it like yeah. there's maybe one guy that can do that or? I think I think it depends how good they are, you know. Like I, I know I know that I know what the question is, yeah. and, and I get it. I don't think you can have six guys that are under that size. You just can't go up against the big players in the NHL. You know, you got elite players with big time skill. You need some big men. That that's what I don't think it's said enough about Jonathan Erickson is there's very few guys that can just match physically with Malkin and and Getzlaff and those guys. So if you have too many of them. I think you, you could afford two for sure if you have if you have, if they're really really good you know and, and if they're really good I first off more than anything else before you talk about size or the the makeup of your team what you need is elite players and sometimes elite players are big sometimes they're small the more elite players you have the better team you are obviously a lot of players here with uh, on that Calder Cup winning Griffin's team um, can that playing like that high level of hockey in the June really translate into 
into the camps? Or? Well, first, you know, Yuri Fisher told me once a long time ago that, you know, he thought the best development for a young player is playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He, he, and then he said maybe the next best is, you know, for a young player is playing in the Calder Cup playoffs. And you learn how to grind through and you learn how to do those types of things. So I think for guys that, that are knocking on the door, you hope it helps them. Um, you know, like anything, there's always a downside in life. And when you play a long time, you don't get as much training time. And, and that's the reality as well. So, um, you know, I hope it helps them. I guess time will tell. Hey Jeff, a kid like Rasmus, so what do you want him to get out of camp like this? Or back to junior? Yeah, so I think the first thing is to be able to have a measuring stick of what he needs to do to make sure that a year from now he's knocking on the door to make the hockey team. And I don't know if he will or he won't, I have no idea, but, but that's what I'd want to do. I'd want to, I'd want to have that measuring stick, even in the skate test today. Where was he at compared to the, to the, the NHL guys? What was his highest number compared to the NHL guys' highest number? Make sure I got that measuring stick to, uh, to, to know the things I need to work on and, and where I got to get better. I think sometimes uh, for young players that have had tons of success, you don't realize as you move, move up the pyramid how hard it is. And I think when you come to something, when you come to the main camp, you get a realization right away like, oh, there's some really good hockey players here. I got lots of work to do. So hopefully that's what he, ta he takes out of this. I hope to, uh, you know, he's going to play at least in one exhibition game. Uh, that's my plan, and I hope he plays real good. I like him tons. I think he, again, he's a big, smooth skater. I haven't, you know, that's a, that's a heck of an asset. Um, he's got good offensive sense, and I think he can score. Do you think Bravo will see? Uh, I don't know that answer. Uh, he won't play in the red-white game. I know that for sure. But again, for me, we'll, we'll take precaution now with him and make sure that we got him ready for game one against Minnesota. So he could possibly be out there with a group that skates at 10? Uh, he, I, he could possibly. Correct. Uh, he will not skate tomorrow. He will not skate tomorrow. Between the skate uh, Lower body. Sorry about that. I'm not sure his junior team wants to divulge that. So. <laughs> Between the skate test and, and the heart monitors, can you talk about the um, the ways you can assess player fitness and, and really challenge them to remain elite? Well, one thing about the skate test is is there's a visual part to that where you can just see, and and, and not only can you see as the coach, but their teammates can see, and. So I think that's a great thing. And then the heart monitor just gives us another way to judge guys and say, are we in elite shape or are we not in elite shape? I'll be honest in telling you, I don't have a big issue with, uh, or concern, I should say, with this team being in elite shape. We work. And, you know, Adam Nightingale was uh, with another organization last year, our new video coach. So first thing he said to me as we got off the ice from our first session was, he was impressed with how hard our team works and how hard a, uh, a guy like Henrik Zetterberg works. So I'm not all that concerned about it, but it's certainly what the skate test also does is it sits out there for a player to make sure he does the work to come into camp in great shape. So you said elite players, and I won't ask, it would be unfair to say how many are on your roster, but typically on an NHL team, like like that standard of elite. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I would say, I would say on an NHL team, um, you might have on, on the best teams maybe you have four, five, okay. five. You know, well, I'm thinking of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I can name you. I can name you guys. Five guys that I think are, are elite, and two of them are ultra elite. You know what I mean? So um, certainly the goalie played elite. You know, so you're not you're not taking you're you're you're, you're three to five. You know, and, and that's the separators in the league. Well, my team won.
my team won. So I think they're better off with me sitting up in that press box. I know that. So it was a big trade made late. And, uh, our, our analytics guy uh, was one of the guys traded, Brian Campbell. He was talking lots of stuff to me the night before. I didn't love his performance for his team. I thought that was a good trade for our team. What's his Corsi? Do we know Campbell? His Corsi was not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you.